Bay Hills Community Church is pleased to have you with us as we continue our series, Uncensored. As we continue our journey through the Sermon on the Mount, we discover that there's some more information about prayer that needs to be looked at. This week, Lead Pastor David Fossil helps us understand the meaning and use of fasting. One of the key features of fasting is that it should not be obvious to others just God. Listen as Pastor Dave gives us some principles on using fasting as he gives us some examples of the different ways to fast. We're challenged to just try it, and by so doing, we'll find that it will bring us closer to God. We are making our way through the Sermon on the Mount, our summer series called Uncensored. And when I was planning it all out, I was like, you know what? We, we got to have to spend two weeks on the Lord's Prayer. There's a lot of good stuff in here. So that that's what we did the last two weeks. And then the, the more I kept reading through it, I was like, you know, there's actually a lot more on prayer. There, there's more stuff on prayer. And so, you know, I, I decided, you know, let's just let God decide what we talk about on Sunday morning. So we're going to have one more week. You notice the study guide. It's not a really fancy title. It's just extra stuff on prayer we're going to talk about. There's two extra things in the Sermon on the Mount as Jesus is teaching to us about what to do and how to do it as it relates to prayer that I think are rather important for us to understand, okay? So when you're going through uh, the Gospel of Matthew and you get to the Lord's Prayer, in, in, in chapter 5 you get the Beatitudes and the salt and the light, and eventually in chapter 6 he, he's going to get to prayer, and there's a section where he starts out, don't, don't pray to impress other people. So don't, don't be that person like the Pharisee who prays on the streets. He's got a section on praying as it relates to forgiveness. Then he's got this Lord's Prayer, right? We all know the Lord's Prayer. We've said it word for word. We, we looked in the last couple of weeks how it's not really, it's more of an outline for prayer. It's nothing wrong with quoting it, but really it's more of an outline in terms of what and how to pray for things. And then right after, there's a chunk on fasting. There's a whole section as it relates to prayer on fasting. I realized this past week, I've been your pastor almost 24 years on Labor Day weekend, it's 24 years. I'm holding out to 25 years. The board has told me I get a watch if I get to 25. So I'm holding out for that watch, right? And in 24 years, we've never preached. We've never talked about fasting. No, and it's not like I'm doing it on purpose or avoiding it. We've just never taken a, a, a chunk of time and, and talked about it in the service. So this week, I looked at it. I was surprised how much is in scripture as it relates to fasting. So, so we're going to actually talk about it and get going. Here's what it says. Let's put it up on the screen. Matthew chapter six, six, two verses, three verses there. When you fast, says Jesus, do not look somber as the hypocrites for, do, for they disfigure their faces to show others that they're fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put on oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you're fasting, but only to your father who is unseen. And your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. I don't know if you know, but New York Times recently had a feature article on fasting. They had this big feature article on fasting. Here's what they said. Uh, They reported fasting has become fashionable. It has become fashionable. I I forgot to ask. Eating at, how do you pronounce this word? C-H-I-C. Chic, 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 chic. Eating at good restaurants is out. (laughs) 
Not eating is in. I can't believe I can't say that word. People are paying as much as $3,483 a week to visit health spas like Desert Hot Springs in California where they go without food. Desert Springs is booked for months out with clientele that includes Ben Affleck, Courtney Love, and many other celebrities. Instead of stuffing themselves with steak and lobster, they subsist on apple celery cocktails, herbal tea, laxatives, water mixed with lemons, and honey. Now, here's the phrase I want you to get. Listen carefully. New York Times. Fasters claim that this four to 30 day regimen not only helps them physically, here it comes, but also has spiritual benefits. Uh, excuse me. That's what God's been saying for 2000 years. For 2000 years, he's been trying to say, listen, you can fast because you want to fit into your skinny jeans or your nice bathing suit in the summer. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying there are spiritual faith, religious benefits to fasting. Quite a few of them. And it kind of kind of caught me off guard. It kind of surprised me. Now, maybe one of the reasons I haven't brought it up, maybe one of the reasons subconsciously I haven't taught on it, is fasting is never prescribed in Scripture. It is never commanded in Scripture. There are other spiritual disciplines we are commanded to do. We are commanded to pray and to study Scripture and to give and tithe and to witness and to serve. There are certain disciplines you are commanded to do. And there are others like this one, fasting. Yeah, it's a suggestion. It's just that. It's a suggestion. You can try it or you can decide, I don't want to do that. You can be just as godly of a person without doing it. Except that you have sections in scripture like this one. The words of Jesus starts out first word underlined and bolded. When you fast. So Jesus assumes if you are a Christ follower, if you are trying to live to please God, there will be times when you fast. It's assumed. So I guess I have a question for you. When's the last time you fasted? For spiritual reasons. Maybe you're like me. I grew up in a tradition. I grew up in a great Christian home and a pretty good church, but we didn't, we didn't really talk about it much. We didn't really do it much. Maybe some of you grew up in, in the same kind of tradition I grew up, but I'm bringing it up now. When's the last time you fasted? For a spiritual faith reason. You, if you're ta- taking notes, you'll see point number one is maybe, maybe you should just try it. Because it comes up quite a bit. It, I, I'm going to try and break down for you all the study I did. I, I, I never give you everything that I've learned during the week, but, 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 but you, you, you kind of have the mechanics and, and, and the kinds of fasting and the results and the reasons of fasting. And, and, you know, in terms of mechanics, one of the things before we actually fill in the blank, you've got this phrase where when you fast, I want you to, I want you to put oil on your face, which is the equivalent of moisturizer, and I want you to take a shower, wash your face. In other words, I don't want you announcing to everybody that you're fasting. I don't want you to be that. I don't want you to post it on Facebook and everybody. Oh, my goodness. You're so godly. You're so spiritual because you're fasting. Don't do that. Don't do that. Now, there are times when we do it as a group. Two years ago, we did it as a group. As a church, we talked about, hey, let's all take lunches off during the week and fast. We had a facility issue. We were we, we were panicked. Right. And we're going to be moving. You saw the signs. We'll talk to you, to you about it at the end of the service. But but we were panicked. We didn't know what to do. And we fasted as a church. But if you're doing it privately, do, keep it private. Keep it private. Now, beyond that, let's get into the mechanics. How does this work? How does this fasting thing work? Let's put it on the screen. There's two things. Number one, because I now don't need to shop for groceries. I don't need to take time to cook. 
I don't need to take time to eat. How long does that take? As little as 10 minutes, as much as 30, 40 minutes, if it's a big meal, right? And you're talking to folks. And, and, and I don't have to take time to clean up the kitchen and do the dishes and all that. Because you don't have to take time to do all of that. I can now take all of or a portion of that time and give it to dedicate an extended prayer. That's the first concept. That's the big idea. I don't take time to shop for food, prepare food, eat food, or clean up after food. And I take that time and I devote it to extended, dedicated times of prayer. Scripture talks about that. I'm going to sit down at a table. I'm going to sit down in my room. I'm going to go on a walk. And all I'm going to do is pray. It's focused. It's intentional. But there's another component to fasting and how it works. You can skip a meal. Second bullet point. And because you skip a meal or because you skip a day worth of meals or two, three days worth of meals, I now have a grumbling stomach because that's how our bodies work, right? We're accustomed to feeding it every four to five to six hours. And if we don't do that, it grumbles a little bit. And if you skip two meals, then it grumbles even more. Here's the mechanics of it. Every time it grumbles, every, and I, this is one of the ones I do. Sometimes I will skip a meal or skip a day worth of meals. Every time my stomach grumbles, it reminds me to pray for that particular issue or decision in my life or problem in my life, whatever it may be. My stomach grumbles because I haven't had two meals, right? Heavenly Father, just could you help me with fill in the blank? Heard of this guy who was reading scripture and he announced to his family, you know, the Bible has a lot to say about about fasting. So I've decided to go on a fast and his his you know, cute little four-year-old daughter, not quite understanding everything that was involved with fast, said, no, daddy, don't fast. You're going to die, right? And the, the dad says, oh, sweetie, you don't quite understand. There's many men in scripture that fasted. There's many women in the Bible that fasted. And this little four-year-old in a minute, a moment of brilliance said, you're right. And they all died. So you have to be careful with this fasting thing because people can take it off the, off the deep end, right? But the purpose of fasting in and of itself is always linked with and combined with prayer. That, that's, that's the key, right? Now, there's different kinds of fasting. So I, I'm suggesting to you, some of you should try it, especially if you grew up in a tradition where you've never, you should try it. What should I do? What are you asking me to do? Let me give you some suggestions. Let's put it on the screen. Different kinds of fasting. The first one is what I do. When I ever do it, it's normally the first one, drinking liquids but not eating. And by that, it's at least water, normally juice, or maybe a vegetable juice or something like that. That It's not necessarily a protein drink, right, a, a meal substitute, because I'm skipping a meal, right? And, 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 but you're drinking liquids, but I'm not eating. And I'll do at least one meal or, or, or typically one or two days in a row. Okay, I'm not one of those guys that necessarily goes for a week. You can omit certain foods. I'm not going to eat certain foods. So you read in the book of Daniel, Daniel decided I'm not going to eat meat. I'm only going to eat vegetables. And there was a spiritual component to what is going on there. And I'm not going to get into the whole story, but some people will do that. Right. Eating one meal only a day. Right. I'm only going to eat breakfast, but nothing else. Or I'm only going to eat lunch, but nothing else. Right. So I'm I'm skipping two meals a day. And I'm taking that extra time, devoting it to prayer, or at the very least, every time my stomach grumbles, I'm going to pray for that issue and that decision or problem I have in my life. Or some people do only bread and water. That's in scripture. There's a couple examples of people doing that. Now, this next one, I'm not recommending. You see, I have it there. An absolute fast is when you don't drink at all or you don't eat at all. 
In Scripture, there are examples of Jesus doing this, of Moses doing this. But And you read commentaries today, they literally refer to an absolute fast as something that is supernatural. From a nutrition standpoint, it's actually not wise for us to do that. So I just want to make sure you understand I am not recommending that. You can ask me questions about some of the details a little more later, but you could do any of the other ones. Something I typically do, eat. And I'm not going to do as much of it, and I'm going to take the time that I used to prepare food, eat food, clean up after food, and I'm going to devote it to prayer. Now, some of us maybe don't want to do that, or maybe some of us, because of, you know, diabetes or something health-wise, we can't, we can't even afford to miss anything, right? So what do I do there? It's the same concept. You just have to pick something else that you're going to fast from. So you have that last bullet point as suggestions. Or instead of fasting from food, you can have other types of fast, like fasting from TV for a day or a week. How about that one? Oh, pastor, I don't know if I can do that. I mean, way too difficult. I looked this up, right? Here's the latest statistics. The average American watch five hours and four minutes of TV a day. 35 hours, 28 minutes a week. Now, some of you are thinking, well, I, I, could, I could do that, but you're, I know what you're doing. I'm going to DVR my shows, and then I'm going to do 100 hours next week of TV, right? <laughs> I'm not suggesting that. Uh, you know, and this is, not, this is not Dave beating on you for watching TV or the next one, the Internet. There's nothing wrong with the Internet, and some of us like surfing and looking at different stuff and social media. And I, I'm, we're not talking about that right now and what that impact has on us. All I'm saying, though, is it's kind of... It's not really fair or mature or, uh, of us to say we're watching hours of TV and doing all this surfing on, on, online and then kind of imply or say, I don't have time to pray. That, that's just not mature. Just call it what it is. I'm not going to pray. But what Scripture is suggesting is take something you typically do, don't do it, and, and give that time to prayer. It could be a hobby. I, recently, I've enjoyed golfing with a bunch of guys here at the church. And, you know, we get a great deal over at Franklin Canyon. But, you know, f- golfing is like a four or five hour type endeavor. What if I just pick one of those less um, a month and take that time and pray for you it could be something else. Or it could be. How about that? Your phone. How about put that sucker down for for an hour for a day? Right. Some of you would go start hyperventilating when you do that. Right. I, I looked this up as well. Watch this. The average American touches their phone 2,617 times a day. Three times a minute. Be honest. Some of us are enslaved to this. We are. And it's notifications about this and texts about that and Snapchat about this. And that. it just goes on and on and on and on and on. Do you think maybe you could do that? Leave it and devote some time to prayer. You're like, I would prefer to not eat for a week. Well, whatever you want to do. Okay, <laughs> do whatever you got to do. Right. Just a little side note suggestion. Don't ever have this sucker next to you while you're doing your devotional time. Think about that. Right. Just put it to the side. You're not that important. And neither am I that everybody needs to get a hold of us at every hour of the day. Here's the point. Try it. Try something. This comes up over and over and over. Now, I, I, here's, here's what you need to, here's the big idea. The big idea is this next slide right here. It doesn't matter what you do when it comes to fasting, but fasting doesn't accomplish anything. It's the prayer that accomplishes something. You could do anything. You could fast from your phone, fast from meals, fast, fast all you want. But if you're not substituting what you used to do with prayer time, that's what works. They always go hand in hand. Now, 
Up until now, I know. I know, because I'm just like you. I haven't convinced all of you to maybe consider this. Because so far, I've just kind of told you that the Bible says that maybe you should consider doing that. So that's our, that's our out. That's our, that's our out to go, I'm tapping out, I don't want to do that one. Right? And you have every right to do that. I've told you kind of what to consider doing. So far, everything I've showed you, you're like, oh, I kind of like to eat, and I like to watch TV, and I like my phone, so no, I don't really want to do that. But now, I think this next section, now is when I'm, now is when I'm going to hook some of you. Why should I do it? What's the benefits that I get? What are the reasons, the results, right? Now, let's put this next slide up on the screen. I do not have the scripture references, but they're in your study guide if you want. What are the results or reasons or what do I get? What do you get out of fasting? Look at everything scripture says. And there was so much in here. Help in solving spiritual problems. So you've got Ezra chapter 8 and Nehemiah chapter 1, a major problem that they're going through, and the leaders fast and pray in order to get God's help in solving a problem. So I'm just curious here. We have a fairly decent crowd this morning. Did anyone show up here this morning? Anyone with absolutely no problems in your life? Can I see your hand? Anyone? Oh, that's wonderful. Let's everybody hug him. He's a wonderful... It's because you're young, my friend. Yeah, Right? Your mom's taking on all your problems. Anyone else, right? <laughs> so everyone kind of showed up with either a small, medium, or big problem. Every one of us, w- would you like a little extra help in maybe solving that problem? All I'm saying is that Scripture suggests that whatever you're going through, whatever issue you have, if you, do f- if you fast and pray a little bit more, God's going to potentially help you more. That's all I'm saying. Look at the next one. Spiritual power and strength in in matthew chapter 17 there's that verse that talks about if you just had faith like a mustard seed right just a little bit of faith like a mustard seed you could move mountains you want to know what the very next verse says fast fast oh my goodness we always do the mustard thing and i haven't we been at church or at camp everyone gives us a little mustard seed they never talk to me about fasting but it's right there it's right after it You get extra spiritual power and strength. Providing for the needs of others. This is interesting. In Isaiah chapter 58, verse 7, providing for food, providing clothes for others. It almost sounds like someone who's really struggling, almost homeless. Do you have friends, co-workers, family members, parents that have needs that are going unmet? Guess one of the things that you and I could do to maybe have their needs met. Maybe consider fasting and praying a little more. Um, drawing closer to God. So you have a story in first Samuel chapter seven, where David, King David prays and fasts to God. He has a huge need that he wants. Now, what's interesting is that in the story, God does not give David King David what he wants. Nope. You don't get it. But you know what David confesses? I, I didn't get what I wanted, but I got closer to God. Now I'm giving you the benefit of the doubt. And I'm assuming that you're here today because you want that. I can't imagine you would want to waste 75 minutes of your life and just show up for no reason. I want to grow closer to God. Guess what's one reason, one way you could do that? By fasting. Guidance in major decisions. This is interesting. Acts chapter 9, this is the apostle Paul at the time saw, and he's going through a life decision. What should I do and where should I go? And And some of us are going through that, right? Family decisions, career decisions, where do I live decisions. We have major decisions to make. And scripture suggests that, oh, by the way, you might get a little extra guidance in making these decisions 
if you pray and fast. You want to know another thing I learned this week? Now, if you're in the medical profession, you can correct me. But I'm telling you, I found at least two or three reports online, plus something else that said this. When you and I fast, when we skip just one meal, even if it's just one meal, it increases our blood flow to our brain, which thereby helps us think more clearly. Isn't that interesting? Now, I don't know if that's true or not, or maybe it's not true, but God just gives you a little extra wisdom anyway. How many of you could use a little bit of that? I'm just saying there's, it just goes on and on. I was surprised. Spiritual courage and protection, the story of Esther chapter 4, is the story where a bunch of Jews, all the Jews in the land are going to get annihilated and killed. Esther, a Jewish woman herself, it, it says, you know what, I can talk to the king and see if we can change that. Except one problem. When you went in unannounced to talk to the king, do you want to know what the result was? Does anyone know? Death. You could get killed. So Esther resolves, you know what? I'm going to do it anyway. But she goes to her closest friends and she says, could you please fast and pray for me? Because I'm going to need an extra dosage of spiritual courage and protection. Fasting. And then the last one, increased probability of ministry effectiveness. And increased probability. So you got all these verses in Acts that, that there were people are trying to do things for the kingdom. And the probability of them being successful goes up when prayer and fasting is involved. Now, it's not a guarantee. God doesn't say, well, David, this morning your sermon's going to suck because you didn't pray. It could be for other reasons why it sucked, but it didn't have anything to do with fasting. But it happens to seem to suggest that, you know what? Um, the extreme week VBS we're doing and the Easter egg hunt and the youth group and Sunday morning and all these things, the probability of us being successful goes up if we might consider doing this. Now, I'm just asking you. It's on you. I've already made my decision. Do you see anything on the list that you might benefit from? Because I see two or three things. Don't you? You know, there's some things that don't go together. They, they don't go together. Cats and dogs don't go together. Barbecue sauce on vanilla ice cream doesn't go together, right? I'm colorblind, but I've been told that, that, that brown shoes and black pants don't go together, right? 49ers and good football doesn't go together. There's things that just, they don't go together, right? Excuse me, sir. Quiet down. Um, there's, there's other things that do go together. Spaghetti and meatballs goes together, biscuits and gravy, peanut butter and jelly, Sharon Bono, mustard and ketchup. And you want to know one other thing that goes together? Prayer and fasting. So, you know what? It's, it's, you know what? This is your pastor just going, why not give it a try? Why not give it a shot for one day, one meal, a couple days? Because some of us see things on that list that we could benefit from. That's it. It's been interesting to me as I've been involved in this process and started to do this a little bit more in the last three to four years. It's been interesting what's happened to me. Now, the next one, we're going to move on. So the first one is try fasting. The, the next challenge, the next little extra thing we're going to talk about is keep knocking, keep praying, keep persisting, keep persevering in your prayer life. Now, let me tell you why we're going to talk about this. Let's put the next slide up there. So you've got Matthew chapter, actually technically five through seven, which is the Sermon on the Mount. In chapter 6, you have the thing called the Lord's Prayer. We know the Lord's Prayer, right? 
You know, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, on and on and on. That's the Lord's Prayer. Then there's a section on asking and seeking and knocking. Now, every once in a while, what you want to do when you're doing Bible study, especially in the Gospels, is look at the cross-reference in the other Gospel. Because all the disciples are explaining it, but they're all sharing little details that are different. So when you go to Luke chapter 11, it also has the Lord's Prayer. Same thing. It also has a section of asking and seeking and knocking. But Luke adds one detail. He adds a story that Jesus tells. He adds an illustration that Jesus tells. Jesus is trying to encourage you and encourage me in our prayer life. Keep asking. Keep seeking. Keep knocking. And at least in one other occasion, he says, here, let me tell you a story about why that's important. So if you're kind of, if you're looking at Luke 11, this is how you outline it real quick. Let's put it up there. You've got the priority of prayer. Luke chapter 11, 1, Jesus prayed. Now it's just me, but if anybody could skip prayer, I'm thinking it's Jesus. What do you think? If there's anybody that could have said, you know what? I don't need it as much as you guys do. It would have been Jesus. But you see time and time and time again that Jesus himself prioritizes prayer. The priority of prayer. The second part is the pattern of prayer. There's a little typo there. It should be uh, 11, uh, uh, chapter 11, 2 to 4. That's the Lord's Prayer. We spent two weeks on that. You can go on the podcast, listen to it, figure out what we talked about and how to outline it. And then you've got this last section, verses 5 through 8, a story on the persistence of prayer. In other words, your first thought should be about praying to God when you have an issue and doing it over and over and over and over and over again. I, you know, when I was reading this story, I thought of something that happened to me back when I was in high school. I was 17 years old. I was, um, because I had moved from Spain, I didn't have a permit as soon as everyone else did. And so mom was letting me drive the car, uh, to school. We were going over a bridge in Michigan. In Michigan, in November, December, it's icy. So we hit a patch of ice, of black ice, they call it, and our car started spinning. And it spun this way, and we crashed against the guardrail. And then we spin this way, and we crashed against the guardrail. And then we spun this way, and crashed against, and we were just spinning. It went on, it feels like forever, but it was about 13, 14 seconds of spinning, crashing into the guardrail. My mom, sitting right next to me, said one thing over and over and over again. Lord, help us, Lord, 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 help us, Lord. Lord, 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 help us, Lord, help us, Lord. Now, we spun for 13 seconds. She said that phrase 710 10 times during that 13 seconds. And then we came to a complete stop, and I, it's, still, it's classic what she said. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> and here's the point. you got to keep persisting. you got to keep asking. you got to keep knocking. That's the point. And here's the story that Jesus tells to try and convince us. In Luke chapter 11, Jesus said to them, okay, let me tell you a story. Suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, listen, friend, lend me three loaves of bread because a friend of mine has come on a journey to me and I have no food to feed him. Suppose that the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door's already closed. My children and I are in bed, right? I can't get up and give you anything. Jesus says this, I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you bread because your friends, your friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity or your persistence or your perseverance, because of that, he will eventually, surely get up and give you as much as you need. Now, let me break down for you. I've got a little bit color coded. We're going to take one section at a time. Let's talk about the red stuff. Here's what you have to kind of fill in between the lines. 
you, you've got a friend, maybe an old buddy from college. They send you a letter and they go, hey, I'm doing business in your part of the country in the beginning of August. I'm going to swing by and see you. Is that, you know, so just be ready. I'm going to see, see you beginning of August right now from that point on. You don't know exactly when in August. You know why? Because they have no email. They have no cell phones. He can't tell you it's going to be August 3rd and then the day of it's going to be between 6 and 8 p.m. He can't do that. He sends you a letter and says sometime the beginning of August. So your old college buddy starts traveling, starts heading in your direction. Imagine one night he starts setting out his camp campsite. He starts putting up his tent. He starts talking to a fellow traveler. Where are you going? How oh, I'm going to visit my old college buddy. And they go, hey. Do you realize your old college buddy? He just lives right over the hill there. I mean, it's another three, four miles, but he's right over the hill. So, so your college buddy's like, I'm not going to camp out here when I can just walk a little longer and go see them. So that's what they do. They pack up and they keep walking. Another three, four hours, they want to come see you. Your buddy arrives at midnight. Now, this is very significant because midnight for them is not like midnight for you. Why? It's this little thing called electricity. Electricity. See, we, when, when it gets dark outside, when it gets dark outside, we've got, we, we can iron our clothes, set them out. We can clean up. We can do laundry. We can, you know, watch our five hours of TV for the day. We can do whatever we need to do because we have electricity. Life goes on. Not in that culture. Do you want to know the average time they went to bed in that culture? Between 915 and 930 every night. You know why? Because everything's dark. Well, they have candles, they have lanterns, but that's a hassle. It's a hassle. It doesn't create that much light. It's time to put the kids to bed. Let's all go to sleep. We'll get up at six when it's light out again. Everybody's going to sleep. So when this guy shows up at midnight, the entire town has been in bed for two to three hours. Everybody's sleeping. But he lets them in. Oh, my goodness. It's good to see you. Give him a hug. And then what do you do when people show up to your house? Hey, good to see you. Let me take your coat. Do you want to see? Can I get you a drink? In this case, have you had any dinner? No, man, we, I busted through. I decided to walk. I'll make you a sandwich. Goes to his wife. Hey, sweetie, can, let's make him a, a turkey sandwich. We don't have any bread left. Go to the neighbor. So he goes to the neighbor. Joseph. Joseph, it's me. Do you have some tortillas or some bread or something? Now, now you move to the next section. What's in blue? Don't bother me. The door is locked. The children are in bed. I can't get up. Now, when I read that, I'm like, oh, time out. You can't get up or you won't get up. Which one is it? Because I know what I can't get up means. I just don't want to get up. No, actually, he can't get up. He literally can't get up. You go, what's going on there? You see, in that day and age, they don't have houses like we have. They have a house with four walls. That's it. It's one room. You don't have subdivisions. It's one room. Maybe there's a couple half walls or something. It's one room, one big room. And at night when it hits 915, 930, guess what happens? Mom and dad lie down here and sleep. And then I got my older son that sleeps here. And then I got my middle daughter here and my daughter sleeps here and everyone sleeps in there. So I have goat number one here and goat number two here and goat number three. And then I got my donkey here and then I have my dog here because all godly people have dogs. And so that's basically what's going on right there. So when I'm over here sleeping and someone's knocking for me to go to the door, open up the door, and then go over to the table, get him a loaf of bread. Here's the risk that I run as dad. 
If one goat or one child wakes up, everybody wakes up. I can't come to the door. Leave me alone. Do you realize what you're putting me through? I can't do it. Except when you're on the outside and you need some bread, Jesus says this, watch. Because of, in black, your shameless audacity. Now, I looked it up in different versions. It's a Greek word that's hard to translate. The complete Jewish Bible says, because of the man's chutzpah. Another translation says, because of his brashness. Another one says, because of his boldness. The primary one is, because of a man's persistence, because of his perseverance, eventually your neighbor will get up. Not because he likes you, but because you won't go away. Joseph, it's me. I need some bread, man. Do you have some tortillas? Hey, give me, do you have something in the freezer, man? Can you help me out? Go away. My kids are sleeping. I know they're sleeping, but I really need this. This guy is starving. I'm not going away, man. Okay, uh, well, eventually you know that if I don't get, he's going to knock, he's going to wake my kids up, right? Oh, goodness gracious, I'll get up. Keep persisting. Keep persevering. Don't quit in your prayer life. Every night I walk my dog. I have a little beagle. His name is Chavi. And I walk him around two, three blocks. And uh, every night, I, I don't know what it is about my neighborhood. I think, my, I think God's trying to teach me a lesson because there's cats everywhere. There really are. I live next to a woman who goes to this church. We love her dearly. She calls herself the cat lady. I don't know what God's trying to teach me, but there's cats everywhere around me, everywhere I go. And sure enough, every time I walk my dog, there we are. I'm walking my dog, and every time we walk, there's cats running out in front of us. And my, what does my dog do? The, car, the cat runs out in front, and he takes three steps to run after that cat, right? And I, because I am a mature, grown man, I lock his chain. Right. You know, those chains where you can lock, you can lock the chain. So a cat rounds out in front, right? The dog starts running after him quickly for three steps. I lock the chain. Cat runs away. This happens over and over and over again. Every time I walk the dog about a month ago, (laughs) about a month ago, I'm not proud of this, but it happened about a month ago. I'm walking my dog and that happened. Cat ran out in front or my dog, my, my dog saw a cat. He took three, four steps. I locked him up. As soon as that happened, right, I'm about a block away from my house. As soon as that happened, that cat didn't keep running. First time ever, you know what that cat did? That cat stopped, turned around, and just pranced. (laughs) Just went like this, just walked around, you know, and literally taunted and teased my dog. He did. You know what he did? He pulled and persisted and he pulled and persisted and he pulled and persisted and his master had him locked and he pulled and persisted. Eventually, he changed his master's mind. (laughs) You know what I did? You know what I did? I unlocked that thing and both of us chased that cat for half a block. I kid you not. (laughs) Eventually, I came to my senses thinking, oh my goodness gracious, can you imagine people going, honey, come look at this. You're not going to believe what I'm seeing, right? Because I was chasing the cat. And again, I, I apologize for that because I know you guys, love, some of you love cats. But let's get back to scripture. Can we get back to scripture? Because I do have a point, right? I'm not trying to suggest that your God has you on a leech. I'm not trying to suggest that our God is like the selfish neighbor that won't get out of bed. 
I'm not trying to suggest that he's like an unjust judge like we have in another story and you got to keep on him. I'm not trying to suggest that you got to nag God before he gives you what you want. I'm not trying to suggest that and neither is Jesus. So he wants to make sure you understand God doesn't have you on a leash. God isn't sleeping in the corner of the bed, in the house and, and you just got to keep nagging him. He's not trying to suggest that. Here's how he ends. He wants to make sure you understand. Here's the last verse, verse 13 of Luke 11. If you sinful people, and he's talking particular to parents, if those of us as parents, we're all sinful parents. If we as sinful parents know how to give good gifts to our kids, how much more will your good, loving, heavenly father give you the Holy Spirit or answer your prayers when you ask of him? You see, I don't know the theology of it completely. I don't know. Why can't I just ask him once? Well, because he because he wants me to persist. He wants me to persevere. I, I, I can't figure I have some ideas, but I'm not going to get into it now. But he tells me and he tells you, don't stop. Keep praying. Keep persevering. Keep persisting. Right now, it's amazing how in other areas of life we look up to people who do that. I got a couple quick examples. Let's put them up there. Number one, Walt Disney. He was fired from his job, first job, because he lacked imagination and had no good ideas. But he persisted and persevered. Thomas Edison, 10,000 times he failed when he did experiments until he finally created the light bulb. But he persevered and he persisted. Colonel Sanders, he worked as a fireman. He worked as a tire salesman. He worked as a cook. They didn't start to pitch his chicken recipe until he was 62 years old. But he persevered and he persisted. Stephen King, his first novel, Carrie, was rejected by 30 different publishers and editors. Eventually, he threw the manuscript into the garbage. Thankfully, his wife secretly pulled it out. And he eventually persisted and persevered until he became who he is today. Kurt Warner, we know him as a Super Bowl champion and a former NFL MVP. But at one point in time, he was out of football, bagging groceries out of supermarket. But he persevered and he persisted. Oprah Winfrey was fired from her first TV gig because she was unfit for TV and too emotionally invested in her stories. But, but she persevered and persisted and now she owns the world, right? Fred Astaire, during one audition at the beginning, he was told, you can't sing. You can't act. I think I, I think I love this next one. You're slightly balding, right? You can dance a little. But he persevered and he persisted. For those of you who don't know who he is, Katy Perry. Her first album in 2001 sold 2,212 copies. She was dropped by the recording company. But she persevered and she persisted and she is a mega superstar in the music industry today. Why do we uplift people who persevere in the area of arts, in the area of sports, in the area of science, and yet we don't do the same thing in our prayer life? Keep praying. Keep persisting. Keep knocking. This is all I got for you. Let's put it up there. This is the summary of today. Try fasting. That's it. I'm just, it's just a suggestion. You maybe should try it. And keep knocking. Keep knocking. I'm going to have the band come up as they're coming up. I want to read to you a poem. I'm not much into poems, but I think I kept this one because I don't know. It spoke to me or maybe because my grandma gave it to me years ago. And I had it in my Bible forever. 
And it says this, it's entitled The Difference. I got up early one morning and rushed right into the day. I had so much to accomplish that I didn't have time to pray. Problems just tumbled about me. Heavier came each task. Why doesn't God help me, I wondered. He answered, you didn't ask. I wanted to see joy and beauty, but the day toiled on gray and bleak. I wondered why God didn't show me. He said, you didn't seek. I tried to come into God's presence. I used all my keys at the lock. God gently chided, my child, you didn't even knock. So I woke up early this morning and I paused before entering the day. I had so much to accomplish. I had to take time to pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning openly admitting that we're probably not as good at prayer as we should be and we want to be. Three weeks. For three weeks, you've given us some great ideas, some great suggestions. Today, another suggestion that maybe few of us have considered, this idea of fasting. I pray that you would um, challenge us to take what we've learned and apply it. Father, this next one is something, it's not a suggestion. Something we are told to do, to keep persisting, to keep persevering. And the reality is we've stopped praying for things that we consider important. Friends and family members that don't know you. Issues that we have in our lives. Problems that we have in our lives. Dreams that we have in our lives. Father, remind us that you reward persistence. You reward perseverance. We're incredibly grateful for your word and how practical it is. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people say. It's our hope that today's podcast has enriched your life and answered questions you may have had. If you'd like more information about what was said in this podcast or about Bay Hills Community Church, you can reach us on the internet at www.bayhills.net. Bay Hills, located in El Sobrante, California, exists to help everyone take their next step closer to Jesus. Thanks again for listening.